0: Thanks for listening to our sermons from Southbridge Fellowship. For additional resources or service information, visit us online at sfchurch.com.
1: Good morning, Southbridge Church family. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. Today is Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, Dads. Dads, you have a huge responsibility in discipling your kids. You think about Ephesians chapter 6, where Paul says, Fathers, train up your kids train them in the Lord disciple your kids bring them up in the teaching of the Lord don't exasperate them and I know none of us do that perfectly but dads that are trying to do that and trying to lead your kids to Jesus we celebrate you and in light of that I know some of you today's a hard day for you because you had a bad relationship with your dad maybe dad was a bad example of what a father is and we've got this heavenly father who bears the same name and so for some of us we have a hard time relating with our heavenly father because of our bad relationship with our dad and to you I'm sorry I'm sorry And we want to be part of the healing process for you. I hope today's message will even be part of that process for you. Thank you for your courage and joining us and being bold in that. And today we've got a special message. It's not just to dads, though, it's to all of us. You know, we've got a big vision as a church. We want to connect people to Jesus Christ for life change. And we believe that happens when when we experience such spiritual transformation that it leads to gospel saturation in the community around us. And today we're talking about influence. And we're going to talk about how to influence the people that are directly around us. So for some of you, you're dads. And that means your kids. And for some of you, it's the people you work with. And for some of you, it's the people that are in your neighborhood and your friends. And there's all kinds of relationships we have. And the message today is going to be brought to us by a special speaker, Kenny Luck. He's a pastor in California. He's the founder and driving force behind Everyman Ministries. Maybe you've read one of his books. He's written over 20 books. He's an award-winning author. His most recent book is called Dangerous Good. I've got a copy here with me. And if you text the word dad today, to the number that's on your screen, we'll give you a copy of this book, Dangerous Good, by Kenny Luck. Um, Kenny is a a men's speaker, and he's gonna be doing a book tour on this in the spring of 2021, traveling with Hillsong. And uh, you get an opportunity to get a copy of it today if you text the word dad to the number that's on your screen. And uh, Kenny, just to give you a little bit about him before we jump into the message today. Like I said, he's a pastor, a teacher, he's a teaching pastor out there, an author, but he's also a dad. He's got three millennial kids, He's been married to his wife for over 32 years, and so he's living this stuff out. He's not just coming to us and telling us some theory from the Bible. And I believe you're going to be blessed by the message today. And so let me pray. I'm going to pray a prayer for our fathers and I'll pray a prayer for Kenny as he brings the message this morning. Let me pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to open up your word, and I pray you'd open up our hearts. And you help us to think about our lives and how we can use them strategically to have the greatest possible impact that we can have for you, that you'd be glorified, that we'd pour our lives out like a drink offering for you. And Father, I pray for our earthly fathers that are here, that are watching this today. I pray they'd be challenged. I pray you'd call us to be better dads. I pray, God, that you would have us pray for our kids more as a result of this message. I pray you'd, you'd help us to be more intentional than we've ever been before. And Father, I pray for those that have been wounded, maybe a father wound, or they've got difficulty because of their dad. God, I pray you'd bring healing today. Open our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
0: Hey Southbridge family, it's Pastor Kenny Luck. I want to just give a shout out to all my fellow dads. Happy Father's Day. Uh, I'm the father of three awesome millennials and I understand uh, the journey. Whether you have little ones or whether you have uh, teenagers or whether you have uh, millennial kids who are now adults, uh, being a dad is one of the most sacred callings in the world and we just want to bless you today, we want to acknowledge you today, and we want to ask God uh, to give you the power to do one of the most important jobs in today's society. Uh, It is such an honor to be asked by Pastor Scott and by Pastor Dave uh, to join you and your church family for this service. We can all agree that we're living in some pretty unique times as individuals, as families, as neighbors. As a country, but most importantly for our time, as God's people. Uh, Because while nobody would have planned the events of 2020, in fact, a lot of you are just going, man, I want to write 2020 off uh, and deduct it from my life. Um, God knew. God had a plan. He knew what was coming. In fact, God has allowed uh, the things that have happened to happen uh, because they are going to accelerate and advance His purposes in us and in the world. And so, my prayer for you is the same prayer that Paul gives the Philippian believers when there's a little craziness going on. He says this, whatever happens, let us conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. So whether I see you or whether I just hear about you in my absence, we will be standing firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for faith in the gospel. So what Paul is saying is that man, There's craziness, but craziness is bringing about some silver linings, some new togetherness, some new unity in the body, some new faithfulness, and that's really what I'm praying for the Southbridge family as we experience such unusual times. That's my prayer. Now, since it's Father's Day, I wanted to talk about Influence. In fact, the title of today's message is, Whose Life is Next to Yours? And really, this is for everybody, not just dads, because we're talking about relationships, specifically that God's intention is for us to positively influence the people he has sovereignly and divinely placed in our lives and given to us. So you can certainly be a dad today. You can be a mom. You can be a husband, you can be a wife, you can be a coach, you can be a friend, you can be a neighbor, you can be a teammate, you can be a small group member, you can be a co-worker, you can be a boss. If God has placed people in your lives, it has his intention for you to positively uh, influence them. And I think we can all agree that if we're not doing relationships right, we're not doing life right. And so I'm excited for what we're going to talk about today. Now, when it comes to the topic of influence, the best influencer, the best leader ever, of course, you probably guess what I'm going to say, is Jesus. Now, what's the data backing that up? Well, here's a short factoid about Jesus and his influence. Here we go. Ready? Three years, 12 guys, 20 centuries, right? Let the paint dry on that one for a little bit. Three years, 12 guys, 20 centuries, presently 2.3 billion uh, followers. And that's what I would say is a pretty good resume uh, for influence. We're still naming our kids, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and and John. And uh, we name our dogs, uh, Brutus, and uh, Nero, and Caesar. Okay. So just a little picture of Jesus, his influence through the centuries, and we're still in the blast zone of his influence. And here's the thing about Jesus as an influencer. What Jesus models for us is meant for us. I'm gonna say that one more time. What Jesus models for us is meant for us, especially if you are a person of faith, because once you say yes to a relationship with Jesus, the Bible says that God pours the spirit of his son into our lives and the job of God's Spirit is to make us like Jesus. It's sort of like a sculptor you know when he gets a big block of marble and he's going to create something. Uh, He has in his mind a vision of what he's gonna create but it starts with that hammer and that chisel and boom and then a big chunk falls off and the big chunks start falling off and then after a while he He starts getting a little bit more refined and chiseling, and then maybe surprise, another big chunk falls off. Now, the reason I share that is because that's kind of the process that we're all in. We're all, if we have faith in Christ, we're all destined to become more and more like Jesus through the work of God's spirit in our lives. And some of us, man, we're like, God is knocking a big block off right now in this season of life. Other, others of us, God's chiseling and refining, and maybe the COVID uh, experience has taken another big block off. God is using that to make you more uh, like Jesus, right? And if God's making us like Jesus, we're gonna be influencers. We're gonna influence people that are around us. And so that's what we're gonna look at, and we're gonna right now just look at what is God's expectation? of us when it comes to him placing people next to us jesus talks about this in detail in matthew chapter 5 and listen to these words from matthew chapter 5 verses 13 to 16 he says you are the salt of the earth but if the salt loses its saltiness how can it be made salty again it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So there's God's expectation. God expects us to be visible. God expects our relationship with him to manifest and influence. He uses two pictures, he uses salt, which which is a preservative and also an influencer and and taste changer of meat, he calls us salt. And he also calls us light and he's expecting us to be both influential and visible, very important. God wants his presence in your life manifesting and moving in your life connections, all right? Jesus talks about how that influence is really, uh, can't be stopped. In Matthew 12, 33 to 35, Jesus says this, make a tree good and its fruit will be good, or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. And so what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying that what's inside will come out, and as people who are in relationships, of course we want good things to come out of our lives, the fruit, and the fruit reflects the source. So apple trees make apples, banana trees make bananas, mango trees, I'm I'm an islander, make mangoes, right? Christians produce the fruit, the character, the DNA of Jesus, and people can see it, it manifests. But depending on what's on your insides, other things can come out. So I want to unpack just three truths before we move on to the example of Jesus about your influence. Number one, my influence affects others around me. Okay? Write that down. My influence affects others around me. In fact, in the passage that we just read from Matthew 12, Jesus is a little upset that spiritual people are not having the influence that he'd like to see. uh, And he takes them to task on that. Uh, Number two, my influence communicates my focus. So the insides of a person come outside in their relationship. And when behaviors are manifested, it reflects what's going on on the inside, how you're thinking, how you're believing. Right? And you reflect God, Jesus said, so that others may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven, or not. It will reflect some other focus, perhaps yourself or what you value or worship. So my influence communicates my focus. And then third, my influence is unstoppable. Jesus doesn't say a good man perhaps may bring good things out of his life, or an evil man may perhaps... Uh, bring good things out of his life. Uh, He says, nope. The good man brings good things out of his life. The evil person brings evil out of his life. Just depends on what's stored up in them because life will squeeze it out of you. Whatever is going on on the inside will come out on the outside. And to use kind of a, uh, a parenting term, there's no diaper for a person's character. Once we come in contact with other people, our character Uh, comes out. And so there is kind of to set the foundation that God really expects us to have influence, a positive influence on others, to glorify him. We're impacting people. So the question is not whether you are a person of influence. The question really is What kind of influence am I having? And so let's learn from the best. And if you have a Bible, you're gonna wanna hold a spot in John chapter 17. And let me create a little bit of context for why we're in that part of the Bible. In John chapter 17, this is right before Jesus goes to the cross and he's talking to God and he's reflecting on his leadership and influence on the disciples. And so it is a blueprint for any person who believes in Jesus and follows Jesus on how to be a positive influence on the people that God has placed next to them. And so right now, let's just learn from the best. We have a few observations and then we're gonna make some application. So the first thing that Jesus models for us that's meant for us is this, write this down. Reveal in your relationships, your relationship with God. With the people that are next to you, reveal Your relationship with God. So in John chapter 17, Jesus is talking to God and he says this, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours and you gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. Now they know everything that you have given me comes from you. And so there's uh, uh, an expectation and an assumption uh, through Jesus, that because he's connected to the Father, that when God placed the, the disciples in his life, that God would then expect Jesus to reveal his relationship with the Father to the disciples. And the same thing is true for us. What Jesus models for us is meant for us. So the question here is, if God is present in your life, then he is changing you, he is Uh, making changes in the way that you think, the way you think about life, the way you think about yourself, the way you think about certain issues, uh, ways to be, ways to believe, ways to behave, and those changes are positively impacting others. In other words, you're revealing your relationship to God directly or indirectly by your actions with your words and uh, your deeds. Now in the Bible uh, the, it talks about our influence almost being like a, like a sensory type experience when people in, encounter us, uh, and the Apostle Paul talks about that in Second Corinthians chapter two. He's kind of coaching up believers on how they're to be influencing uh, the people around them, and listen to what he says. But thanks be to God, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing, to the one we are an aroma that brings death, to the other an aroma that brings life, and who is equal to such a task." The picture that Paul creates, it has its context in history when he talks about how God always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession. You see, in in Rome, whenever a conquering general would come back, uh, he would bring the the conquered peoples, and the people of Rome would know something was going on. They could sense something was going on uh, because there would be flower petals being, being thrown everywhere in this parade. And so they could actually sense and smell that, wow, someone's been conquered, And that conquered person would be attached to the chariots that were making their way through the the city of Rome. And Paul is calling up this language that a first century person would know. And he's saying, you know what? When you enter a space, people will be able to sense and smell that you are connected, you're chained to the chariot, you're connected, you're surrendered. Uh, to Jesus, and you'll be an aroma of something going on, and in this instance, you'll be an aroma that brings life, and so we see Jesus reveal his relationship to God. That's how we positively influence others. Number two, uh, we need to release God's truth, into relationships. That's what Jesus models for us. Uh, In the next verse of Jesus's prayer in John chapter 17, he's reflecting on what he did with the disciples, and he says this, For I gave them the words that you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. Now, when Jesus says, For I gave them the words that you gave me, why is it important To not only reveal your relationship with God, but to release God's truth into your relationships. Well, I'm going to give you the answer. The truest thing about you is what God says is true. The truest thing about me is what God says is true. The truest thing about anything is what God says is true. The truest thing about the people around you is what God says is true. The truest thing about any challenge that either you or another person or your family is going through is what God says is true. And that's the context. Is We need to release God's truth into our relationships because it's true and truth transforms things. Lies destroy things. Truth transforms things. And so what Jesus models is he releases God's truth into his relationship with the disciples. The disciples hear those words, they internalize those words, and those words bring life and perspective and peace in the midst of this journey on earth. You know, to help people grow, whether you're a friend or a dad or a mom or a co worker, we have to speak truth. And the Bible talks about this in Ephesians chapter 4 verses 14 to 16. Listen to what the Bible says and and kind of pay attention to the maturity aspect and the health aspect of influence. It says this, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking truth in love, we will grow. To become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part, listen, does its work. So what you have is the juxtaposition of immaturity and maturity and deception and the speaking of truth and the two are connected. Helping people grow requires possessing truth and speaking truth and internalizing truth and applying truth. But unless that truth is spoken, you live it out and you speak it, then we're not really helping people. And so in this whole mix of your life, your relationships, the people that have been brought into it, The most valuable commodity that you can deliver into those relationships is God's truth. And we find God's truth right here in the Bible. And so you probably hear Pastor Scott talk a lot about the word, the need to be in the word. You probably have pastors and coaches and friends that are saying, hey, you know, well, how's your time in God's word? Well, you know what? They're helping you. Because when you're in God's word, you're releasing truth into your life. And the truest thing about anything is what God says is true. That's what brings life. So we see Jesus model that. He releases truth into his relationships. The third thing we see Jesus do is we see Jesus uh, rely on God for others' well being. Uh, parenthetically, he prays for them, right? He talks to God about the people that have been placed in his life. Listen in John 17, Jesus talked to God about prayer. He says this, I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they're still in the world and I'm coming to you Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them." So what you have is Jesus talking about influencing the lives of others through prayer. And you have this juxtaposition of there's absence and there's presence. He's saying, okay, when I'm present with them, I protected with them because I have a physical capacity to influence. So there was Jesus' physical capacity, but then Jesus says, but I'm going to be apart from them. And instead of that, eliminating his capacity to influence, he's praying and talking to the father and there's no disruption in his capacity to influence. And we learn something from Jesus, uh, especially as influencers that a lot of times sometimes a lot of times the influence that we think we have physically cannot even compare. To, to when we pray about somebody spiritually. When we talk to God about someone. You know, I love when Jesus says, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name. There is power in prayer. There is peace in prayer. There is influence in prayer. And so while we can't follow our kids around or follow our friends around or, or be with people all the time physically, we can certainly, powerfully influence their lives through prayer. And in fact, I feel like God is calling many of us listening to this right now to renew our life of prayer for those whose lives are next to our lives because that's God's intention. That's what that's what God models for us. You know, the Apostle Paul, next to Jesus, uh, was one of the greatest influencers of all time and, and he understood that Through his connection to God, he could wield and yield that access and that authority in his relationship with people. Uh, It's sort of like, you know, if you see an FBI show and, you know, there's a crime scene and then, you know, the FBI shows up, you know, and they flash that badge and they can, they have access. They can go anywhere. They can walk anywhere. Well, that's what Paul understands as a believer because as a believer, he's crucified with Christ. He's resurrected with Christ. Listen, he's seated with Christ in the heavenly places, which means he's got access now, he has authority now. He can wield that access and talk to God. Listen to what he says when he prays for the Ephesian believers. He says, for this reason, I kneel before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its names. Listen to what he prays. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of christ that's ephesians 3 14 to 16 and let me tell you if if you want a perfect prayer to pray for anybody pray ephesians 3 14 to 16. that's one thing i love about the bible you can just find prayers already prayed and then you can pray them in application for the people in your life. What's Paul praying for? That they would be strengthened with power in their inner being. That they would know the the love of Christ and they grasp just how much God loves them. So we rely on God for others' well-being. The fourth thing that Jesus models for us is we got to recognize the spiritual battle. So here's Jesus. He's talking to God. And then he moves in verses 14 through 17 into this prayer as he's talking to God um, and he's talking about reflecting on the, the spiritual battle that he recognizes is going on. Listen to his words in verses 14 to 17 of John 17. He says to God, I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And so Jesus knows that he's leaving, but they're staying. He's going to a perfect place. They're still on earth and earth is broken, full of injustice and evil. And there's good versus evil. He knows that they need to be protected. And his plan is for them to keep influencing in the presence of evil. And so he he talks to God about them and he asks for protection. And, and what does that recognize when Jesus says uh, protect them from the evil evil one? What does he know? Well, he knows that earth isn't heaven. Earth is imperfect and full of injustice and evil. Heaven is perfect. Those things don't happen there. And he's got troops. In the battle, and those troops are at risk, and so he is raising a shield of protection over them uh, in in prayer. And so I don't know who's next to your life. I don't know if it's if it's your precious kids or son or daughter or wife or family or in-laws or who it is friends, neighbors, someone struggling, uh, someone depressed, someone sad. Uh, someone addicted, there is a spiritual battle raging on. And Jesus acknowledges that and he recognizes that. You know there's a recruiting war for the identity of people. People can recognize and and come into contact with Jesus and realize they're made by God and for God. and one day, they're going to God and fulfill the intention to which they were they were created or they'll choose maybe a ripoff identity of purpose and meaning that will lead them far from God. And and so this is what's at stake. Um, Jesus talked a lot about the evil one uh, in, in another context in John 10, very familiar passage in the Bible. Jesus says, the thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I'm the good shepherd. Listen to this. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So to be a positive influence, someone's got to step in and protect at certain moments when people aren't able to protect themselves. Spiritually, it's our job as influencers with people in our lives to recognize the spiritual battle, to rebuke the thief who comes to steal and kill and destroy, and to ask for God to invade that person's life and for the good shepherd to step in front of the sheep because there's a wolf. Now, I know that we would all probably agree that evil is out there, but a lot of us don't account for it in our relationships that are right next to it. Well, we need to rely on God for the well-being of others. Part of that is recognizing the spiritual battle and praying for protection. there are a lot of things that happen in this life where the spiritual battle comes into play. So particularly in adversity, um, you can just look at recent events and just go, man, that's a lot of adversity and pain and loss and suffering and isolation and loneliness. A lot of that. Well, you know, all of that adversity and pain and suffering, loss and loneliness, that creates negative emotions inside of us. Sadness, depression, despair, anxiety, fear over the future, you name it. And when we have those feelings on the inside, that is when the spiritual battle accelerates. That's when the thief and the liar will come and suggest things, because we feel pain and loss and suffering, he'll suggest things to do that are not good for us, not good for others, not good for our relationship with God, not good for our bodies, um, and create even more suffering. But because of the circumstance and adversity and the feelings that are there, we're more open to projecting some other feeling. Now, in that moment, that's where we really need to recognize the spiritual battle. Some of you listening to me right now, that's how you feel. There's a spiritual battle for what you're gonna do with those feelings and the Bible says you got to watch out for the suggestions that come when you got a lot of negative feelings inside. In fact, in 2 Corinthians two eleven, the uh, the Apostle Paul knows that there's division going on in the city of Corinth. Good application for right now. And he's he's encouraging uh, people to forgive each other. Um, and when he looks for where the division is coming from, and he's encouraging and coaching forgiveness, he gives the reason why. He says in 2 Corinthians 2.11, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. So behind Paul's dusting for prints in this circumstance, he sees division and a lack of forgiveness and a lack of reconciliation, and he's just dusting for prints. He goes, oh, yeah, I see what the devil is doing, the evil one. And so Jesus models for us recognizing the spiritual battle. Uh, The Bible recognizes the spiritual battle. Here's the question, do you recognize the spiritual battle going on in the lives and for the lives of the people that God has placed next to you? Number five, Jesus models reproducing yourself in the people God has placed in your life. Now, let's talk to the dads for just a second. Let's use the dads as a as a teaching metaphor. Dads, uh, I bet that you agree with me that you want the best in you to be reproduced and become the best in your kids, okay? Whether that's happening to greater or lesser degrees, I don't know, but as a dad, I hope that the best parts of who I am are gonna be reproduced in my kids and that the the weak and not so great parts of me will be minimized, right? And that's what Jesus uh, models. He wants his life and his relationship with God and his purpose to be reproduced, the best in him reproduced in his disciples. And he says this in verse 18 of John 17, he says, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And so there was the process of Jesus leaving heaven, coming to earth, advancing God's agenda and then going back to God. Jesus comes to earth three years, 12 guys, 20 centuries of reproduction. Wow. And we're, we're in the blast zone of that reproduction. And so what Jesus models for us is meant for us. Listen to what he says to the disciples in John chapter 14. It's a little earlier in this same conversation. Uh, John chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Okay, you know when I said three years, 12 guys, 20 centuries? Well, Jesus had a three-year window. Uh, The disciples and the disciples reproducing themselves and other disciples down through the decades and the epochs and the centuries all the way to us, that impact that they have had has far exceeded numerically the impact that Jesus had in those three years. And what I love about Jesus's language is that he speaks vision into the people around him. He says, whoever believes will do. guess who that is? That's you and I, we're going to do the works that Jesus did. Well, what did he do? Right? He invited men into relationship. He set for them, an example. He imparted to them over time the things of God and he reproduced and sent them to do the works of God. You know that's every believer's commission, This same commission. Whoever believes will do the works that Jesus has been doing. What did Jesus do? He reproduced himself in people. That's true influence where the best in you gets planted and becomes the best in them. Why? Because you were around them and they came away changed because of their connection with you. So whether you're a mom, you're a dad, you're a teammate, you're a coach, this is God's plan for you to positively influence other people. Now, let's look at the last thing that Jesus models for us in John chapter 17, verse 19. This is probably the most important thing. Uh, And that is remember that influence flows from integrity. Influence flows from integrity. Listen to Jesus uh, cap this little section of prayer in verse 19. He says, For them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. Now, if we, if we extract all the, the fancy religious terminology, uh, really what Jesus is saying is You know, I can't give away what I don't possess. He says, for them, the others that that God has placed in his life, he gets it right himself. I sanctify myself. Why? That they too may be truly sanctified. The word sanctified means to be set apart. So Jesus remembers that, hey, you know what? It starts with me. Dads, it starts with you. Moms, it starts with you. Coaches, it starts with you. Friends, it starts with you. You want to be a good influence on those around you? Guess what? That influence starts with your own personal integrity. Now, the word integrity simply means to be undivided. It's a math word. It uh, comes from the word integer. It means whole. So what does it mean for you and your influence? Well, when you're undivided between what you believe, listen, and how you live and think, you have integrity. And we know it when we see it. We, we just say that guy's the real deal. That guy walks the walk. He not only talks the talk, he walks the walk. Man, that guy's the real thing. What we're really saying is that guy's got integrity and we can trust them and we listen to those people and we respect those people and we honor those people and we, we we're willing to learn from those people. So, Remember that influence flows from t- integrity, especially for people who are watching and analyzing you. So, parents, you know what I'm talking about. Your kids are, uh, you know, they got badges on and they are the behavior police and they're watching what you say and what you do. And, man, they are, they are like cop cars with their lights flashing when they sense that you have violated your integrity. Yeah, but you say, and look what you did, right? Well, you know, as believers who are called to influence, uh, this is super important. And Jesus models this. In fact, his cynics recognized and respected his integrity. Um, In the Bible, a group of uh, cynics and skeptics came to Jesus. Listen to what the Bible says in Mark 12, verse 14. It says, they came to him and said, teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truths. Did you see how they they defined integrity? They said, you aren't swayed by others, which means that Jesus had convictions. Jesus was in this setting, kept the same conviction. Jesus, under pressure, in this situation, kept the same conviction. Jesus, in this situation, he would keep having the same conviction. He would keep being the person that he is. He was undivided between what he said and what he did. And even his cynics had to admit that. Uh, For anyone who wants to influence, uh, integrity is your greatest quality and power. Living out, owning the convictions. And integrity is synonymous with consistency because usually when pressure comes, all of a sudden, you know, our integrity is tested. Will we live our convictions out in the open in this setting the way we did in this setting? It's Sunday. Will we be the same person on Wednesday and Friday in this group of friends or in this uh, circumstance? Remember that influence flows from integrity. Now, as we wrap this up, uh, here's a little influence fact uh, that I want everybody Uh, To understand because uh, what we've talked about is great. What Jesus models for us is meant for us, but we have to have first things first. And here's your influence fact. Big forces in me produce big influence through me. I'm going to say that one more time. Big forces in me produce big influence through me. In other words, whatever the big force is in your life, When it comes to your influence and what defines your influence, okay, who is the biggest force in your life? What is the biggest force in your life? What experience has shaped your life the most? What relationship uh, forms your life the most? Uh, What set of relationships defines you? So think about that in your mind just for a second. And just know that that force in your life will define how you influence other people God has placed in your life. Now, I know from personal experience, one of the big forces in my life before I knew Christ was um, feeling not accepted or not approved of. I come from a big family, last of seven kids. Um, In my family, my dad was in the military and gone a lot. My mom was managing a family of seven, and a lot of times... You know, I was just ignored. Now, all you babies in the family know what I'm talking about. You're always looking for your place to see if anybody will give you some time or give you some talk or involve you in something. And in your first community of acceptance, that's really important. But if you don't get it in your first community of acceptance of your family, guess what? You'll go find that acceptance and approval in second communities of acceptance. And you may just have to do things to get that acceptance that aren't the healthiest things. And a lot of you, I know, know what I'm talking about. So the big force in me was fear and anxiety over not being accepted and worth somebody's time and attention. Now I know that even as I'm talking, that that resonates with a lot of you out there. Well, it didn't stay that way because when I was 17, I finally experienced the deep pervasive acceptance I was searching for that I couldn't find in partying, that I couldn't find uh, in athletics, that I couldn't find in money. But I found it through a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And God set my heart right. And God set my mind right. And God set my soul right. And I started not to worry about what other people thought of me where I had nothing to prove and I started making better decisions because God loved me and he set me free. You see, in John 17, Jesus says this, and it goes to this issue of the big force in you driving the influence you have. He says this to the Father. He says, for you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent." You see, the big force in our lives can, can be things other than God. It can be a need. It can be an insecurity. It can be the fear of non-acceptance like me. It can be stuff. It can be, and that we think that that is going to give us that meaning. But guess what? The number one thing Jesus said that people need was this. They needed eternal life. That they know you, that they have a relationship with you, the only true God, Jesus Christ, whom now has sent. And let me ask you a question. Have you said Yes to that relationship? Is your relationship with Jesus the biggest driving force in your life? Maybe you've never said yes and right now, you're like, you know what? I wanna know that I'm made by God, for God, loved by God and going to God and I wanna be set free like you, Kenny. Well, you can do that in just a second. I'm gonna pray and you can say yes to Jesus. Some of you have been looking to sources outside of your relationship with Jesus and right now, Jesus is calling you back into that relationship because he has a plan for you, and he wants you to be a positive influence on people, but you have to make him, once again, your Lord and your Savior. And so let's bow our heads and pray and, and, and close this time together. Jesus, we receive the truth that you speak when you say, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you descend. Father, we're saying yes today to our relationship with you. We're saying yes to you being the driving force in our lives. We receive you, your God, and we receive once again afresh your work for us on the cross, and we receive the forgiveness of all our sins, past, present, and future. And we ask you to fill us with the Holy Spirit, so that we can shine our light in such a way before men that they might see your presence in us and glorify the Father who is in heaven. And we ask for these things, and we thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. God bless you.
1: Thank you, Pastor Kenny, for bringing that message today. You know, one of the things that struck me about the message as I was listening to it was when he was talking about praying for our kids. And I hope that'll move something in us that will be more intentional about praying for our kids. And Dad, you got a huge responsibility. And like I said before the message, uh, if you text the word dad to the number on the screen, we're gonna give you this book. So if you text that number right now, that'd be great, just a gift for you for Father's Day. And a few things that we have going on in our church as well. Everything can be found on our website. One of the big things is that we've got our family celebration coming up tomorrow night, Monday night at six o'clock at our church campus. And you can RSVP for that on our website. Check out some other things that are happening. Our blood drive, there's resources for you to grow in your relationship with Jesus on our website, sfchurch.com and you'll find a bunch of things that are happening. But thank you so much for joining us today for our worship and for the time in the word. Will you join me in reading our benediction? Ephesians chapter three, verses 20 and 21 say this. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. We'll see you next week, church.